this week or don't cry paula i'm gonna keep this intro incredibly short because i'm outside and i'm on the move on this wraparound robin tour we just did two shows at don't cry paula they were very tight the artwork is by mike riley we're being hosted by splicetoday.com let's, let's go, go in. i grew up in central arkansas uh, about 45 minutes outside of little rock small town of Bologna. I was one of the few people growing up that was interested in music other than sort of country uh, or just yeah. really, really mainstream hip-hop. That seemed like the two camps. And so you know, I think that shaped what I was going to become. It's got a... Oh, no. I mean, I was born in Germany <clears throat> on an uh, army base uh, in Frankfurt. But then I lived in Oklahoma for maybe a year or two. My memory basically starts in Arkansas and Little Rock. Oh, okay. I never even knew that first part. I should have done it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm actually having trouble getting my birth certificate together. <laughs> Damn. I'm a quarter German, man. I can't so... run for president, man, because I just have the front side of my birth certificate. So and what was Little Rock like at that time? Well, um, I mean, I started off in public school, had trouble, went to private school, had trouble, started getting picked on, bullied, went back to public school, and this was Dunbar Junior High by this point, in, okay. the, mid, in the heart of the ghetto of, of Little Rock, really. Yeah. And uh, that was a real eye-opening experience to go from private Catholic school to junior high in a really sort of almost a troubled neighborhood at that time, it was before it was even a magnet school. Yeah. And you were like, you were just having trouble. You were just like, like getting kicked out of school. And like not paying attention in class, talking to my fellow students. And like in private school, I had like a nun at one point. She made me sit beside her desk with like a pacifier and a rattle. No, that probably set me up for rapping. That probably really set me up for rapping. Borderline <laughs> like abuse. I but uh, in junior high, you know, I was getting beat up, and I kind of wanted to understand this culture because at that point, I was into like hair metal, like yeah. poison. I came in there wearing my poison shirt because I had to wear a uniform at private <laughs> school. So I was getting beat up, and I wanted to understand that. And I started like going home every day, watching Rap City, you know, Yo TV raps, and like waiting for those really weird videos. To finally yeah. come on after you get like two in a whole episode. <laughs> and what like what were some early acts that? Um, I mean, I remember I would always look forward to uh, Keith Murray, most beautiful thing yeah. in the world. Um, and uh, let's see, like uh, Lords of the Underground. Uh, what was it? Number one chief rocker. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked it when they played some stuff like that. I guess. I'm yeah. To think of some more. Uh, uh, black sheep. Mm. It's yeah. like these are the these are the old school influences on you when you first started listening. Well, to when them. I would watch Yo MTV raps and uh, mm-hmm. uh, BET, I forget what that was called. Uh, rap City. Yeah, Rap City. Uh, <clears throat> especially Rap City because it came on right after school, and it would play for like I don't remember how many, maybe an hour like or two. Hours, yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> so it was a little longer show. 
Um, so, you know, you'd have to sit through a lot of your typical stuff like, uh, you know, Snoop and whatnot like that. Very soft right. and you get something weird like, I mean, the whole video for Most Beautifulest Thing in the World was weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> and like a, a DOS effects, first time I heard that, I was like, what in the world? <laughs> so I, I grew up without cable, man. That's the country living right there. Like, I didn't, I didn't have MTV unless I went over to like a buddy's house. Right, I would right, see right. music videos and stuff and like wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> but you were still out. listening to Bone, which would play on those shows. Yeah, but it was like, you know, only mainstream hip hop that sort of came. Bone Thugs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, uh, I mean, 3 Six Mafia was big once they came along. I was a little older then, but yeah. I started out like Mr. Bungle was the band that changed my life. That's, oh, wow. uh, that's like a. Like a <laughs> yeah. Going from, or at least going from listening to the radio for everything to like, going to seek out other artists because I was naive and I thought the radio gives you everything that's out there and they pick the best and then you right, just, right, right. but then my buddy uh, when I was in junior high or something a guy that I would sort of go and jam with he had a sort of a practice space that we could go to at the summer and he put in the cassette tape of Disco Volante and that was like yeah. a moment that I was like yeah. oh wow I didn't even oh, yeah. know you could make music like this right. and then so from there on weird. Yeah. <laughs> so then I boycotted the kind of like the radio after that and mainstream stuff a little bit but I come from kind of I come from more of I guess a experimental like rock background as right, far as right. more. I don't really only got into hip hop as an older uh, Sure, yeah. Well, when I heard Disco Volante, though, you know, it was the sort of collaged approach to that music that caught my attention. Yeah. And it was, I mean, an easy parallel to what I've been listening to in rap with that kind of, how they'll just shift to something totally different from part to part. Right. You know, I mean, I know old school rap, some people think it's kind of monotonous, but it's just that the way the DJ is, and he takes those samples from all these different sources, so... Anyway. I think I'm more interested in that now than anything. This kind of like yeah. s- sampling off records and guys that can really take that kind of thing uh, and manipulate it. When you come from a background of just sort of like, oh, you're playing all the, in- you're doing yeah. all the instrumentation yeah. yourself. It's like a fun exercise. Yeah, he's like. a multi-instrumentalist. Yeah. So for those of us like myself who are dysfunctional, you know, people would tell me, "Ah, oh, quit. You need to quit playing." <laughs> Not, you know, until I finally started playing my own way. But this guy, he plays drums, guitar, bass, keyboard, rap, sing, yeah. write, produce, engineer. I'm giving him all the credit. So that's what, well, that's what you have to do when you're out in like the country, man, because you have to like be able to. If you want to make an album, you got to do it by yourself. <laughs> but it's interesting <laughs> that you're coming to sampling now. When that yeah. was really kind of when I was like, oh, okay, this really makes sense. I really get this all of a sudden with my ADD yeah. and whatnot. I had a SP202. Yeah. And that sampler, like, it makes you think efficiently because you only got a little bit of sample time. So you got to nail it. Right, right, right. And you got to get the sample quality down so you can get that extra length. You know, yeah. You know, and <laughs> sit there and cut it off and save the little cut so you can get your memory. But I was like 18 <laughs> before I saw a sampler for the first time, and we definitely didn't use it like that. You know? But I, I think, like, playing, sometimes playing instruments and making beats that way makes it more clear why samples are so important or, or like so, valuable right. like, like different too yeah like I, I don't know because I have some like guitar based albums and stuff and some of them I'm happy with but sometimes it's like in doing it I was like oh so that's why they, they use samples <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well I mean yeah especially if you're thinking like 
they're recording live drums or like a live. I mean, it's just hard yeah. to get that quality, and then you may have a tone you have envisioned, but you can't quite get there right. where you're recording, the equipment you're using. And so if you find something on an album that's like, oh, that's the kind of like, that's the tone of that beat that I want, or that's got that certain instrumentation that, yeah, I think it is kind of a... Yeah. Well, for me, I look at like the attack of the sound. When, you, when it's a sample, the sound is a different attack. You can cut it off to come in at a weird time, you know, and make the... Yeah bit your sampling sound totally upside down you know you can make like a whole composition on a drum machine and then come over it with some weird sample you know pitch it wrong cut it wrong and it's just no keyboard sounds like that yeah you know right. what i mean yeah. <laughs> whether you preserve yeah, the original that. sample or whether you mangle it and rip yeah because it it'll be missing just a little bit you know maybe yeah. on the bar but it gives it a certain yeah. Swing or something. That's right. Cool, swing. You know? But it's not, yeah. it might not be dead on like a metronome or something, you know. So, like, say for you, what were the first musical projects that you did? Um, Good question. I had just like typical high school bands, but yeah. the first project that I ever really was put money into releasing an album and like really tried to book shows outside of Conway, Little Rock was Ginsu Wives. Wise, so, yeah. which is an active group today. It's, yeah, I would still, say it's his main yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just leeching off Ginsu Wise here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, no, we've had plenty of different bands, but that, that one was always the one that uh, people would ask us for shows. That sure. We, that yeah. was like the first band that we really didn't have to... I mean, we still have to seek certain shows in certain yeah. areas now, but it was like we were getting invited to do a lot of... And it just so happened that we were... People wanted that one, and so we just kind of like, well, we've got. We did another band called Sleep Today at the same time, and uh-huh. that wasn't catching on as much, and weren't getting invited to do as many shows. So yeah. just, you know, we would have done that if that had been the case, probably. And like, what like what time period was that when that band? Because we started like going by that name like 2004. So I mean, we've, okay. we've been active. Well, we've put out a lot of CDs yeah. and stuff, but it's definitely. They call it a lot of people call it creep rock or something. Well, you mentioned Gins. Uh, I'm rock. sorry, Mr. Bongle. <laughs> you mentioned Mr. Bongle, and yeah. that's that's when I first heard you guys. That was my immediate thought was this is referencing Mr. Bongle. But now yeah. you guys have Brooks Tipton in the group, which is to me is a. I just love Brooks, man. Yeah, no, but it's like an odd mix of. It's smoother. And... It's smoother, man. It's like I think more people could get into it now in a way, but I don't think you guys are like sold out or sound too poppy or anything like that. I like to say it's kind maturing. of an electro. <laughs> it's like if you took all the guitars out of rock and replaced them with synthesizers. Yeah. It's still got a live bass and drums, but all the rest is synthesizer. Yeah. So yeah, very cool sound. Yeah, it's kind of through that though that I met Jason. Oh, okay. So playing with that group. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he started doing facts. Uh, he had like these masks and this weird performance. Yeah. Like, some of my bandmates didn't even know who he was after the show because he had masks on. <laughs> but, but yeah, we did a show at the basement of a house you guys had. Yeah, we had a, there was a play, and you might have played there, but Laser Pussy, did you ever play that? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> our, our keyboard player it's in Gensu Wild, this guy named Goose at the time, lived there. Okay. And so... The first, like some of the earlier, you know, like rap things I did, of course, since it was his house, you know, yeah. let's throw a show. And then, so yeah, we met that way. And then, but we yeah. connected over like Mike Patton and some different well, weirdos. After the show, I remember we kind of sat there and I was like, man, you ever heard of this group Subtle? 
or one of those those yeah. one groups and you were like yeah you know like immediately you're we like who else is listening to this kind of stuff, you know? And we would just name groups, and we were all already on that. And to be right. in Little Rock, Arkansas, and to find someone who's really familiar with more obscure music. Yeah. I mean, it was a big surprise. Yeah. I was like, okay, Once we're going to be cool. Man, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna, this is going to really work out with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and were you already doing solo stuff at that point? Um. Well, I started out, I had this uh, childhood friend, uh, we would take the Casios and uh, karaoke machines and we yeah. would make these tapes and, uh, you know, just trying to put a beat with a sound right, and, right, right. and overdubbing using the karaoke double cassette because you could keep recording <laughs> on it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we had a group, started a group called Fire in the Treehouse. Okay. And apparently, I think he had seen Fire in the Treehouse before, right? Yeah. And, uh, but we had never met until later when he invited me to perform as Mad Trucker. Because uh, I was always kind of, I'd get frustrated with the band thing, and then I'd go do the rap thing. And the, the culture in both of them is tough. Yeah. Go to the rock scene, and I want to put these raps in there. How are they going to respond to that? And then to go to the rap scene, I, oh, I want to put these sounds in there. I don't want to just rap over my CD anymore. And, you know, that made me quite a bit different <laughs> right 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 <laughs> not exactly fitting in you know <laughs> yeah well, I think two three people group well, just when you get sheer numbers in a band because at points I've had like bands were like six people yeah. in a, you yeah. know, scheduling for anything is a nightmare that's what we love about having a duo you know <laughs> yeah. it's just the two of us and our other you know if chemists can make it if Grant can make it then they they make a good asset you know right and right, right. too but it's you like, know. if not, though, we don't have to turn down gigs. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, our buddy Grant wasn't able to make this journey with us. And so, but it wasn't like when we found that out that it's like, oh, and we're going to have to like make that call that I never want to make. Right, right, the right. Cancellation yeah. call. Yeah. Like I kind of would have a strict rule. Like someone's got to be, someone's have to have died or about to be dead to sort of cancel. <laughs> right. So we can still do it with two when we need to like. Yeah. So, yeah, as long as the you know whatever the show is, they're comfortable with us having equipment. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we would go. I would go to rap shows, and I would see every artist is rapping over their CD with the vocals on the mix. Right. I mean, so it's just like the CD that they're selling in the store. They're putting on right, right, right. over it, and I was just like, it, it just didn't really work for me. Yeah. You know, not only did I eventually I, I rapped over my CD before, but not with the vocals on it. Right, right, right. Uh, and. uh at some point, I was just like, I had this Yamaha RM1X, and I was like, you know, I'm making my beats on this anyway. You know, why don't I just bring it on stage so I can mute parts, you know? Right, right, right. And using the SB202 and that Yamaha RM1X, I was, uh, I really liked performing with that. Although but I think you couldn't do it at a showcase, a rap showcase. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sometimes it's like necessity, though, too, because you're not always, you don't always have access to the equipment you need. So if, like, the only thing you have is a backup CD, well, then, like, yeah. like you gotta yeah. go I've with that. If it. you're lucky enough to, like, be able to get some kind of gear and, like, yeah. keep it up, then you can, you know, you can do different stuff. But, you yeah. know, people I, gotta create a thing no matter what you, what you have at your disposal. Or don't like, have, it's like, yeah. I just got four beats on a CD and then maybe I'll play a few gigs that I'll be able to then put that money into some gear that I want. Right. Well, and, and you're a teacher, you know what I mean? So you see these kids, you know, coming in and, you know, what type of rap they're listening to and that kind right. of thing. 
But I'm looking at it like they're really missing out because even when I used to prepare a CD to practice to, you know, I'd have the CD with the full mix followed by the, the strip mix, you know, no vocals. Right. On the same CD driving around in my car practicing. And it's like, it's kind of eye-opening. You think you memorized it when the vocals are there. You take them out and you're like, oh, dang, you know. Yeah. But you don't get to really develop your swing if you're just stuck to the way you recorded it the first time. Yeah. You know, sometimes you record it and you take the song out to get its sea legs. You know what I mean? Well, I, I probably had like four students this year that would come up to me and they would either, I mean, they'd of course have lyrics that they've yeah. written, but they might, they, they were really excited because, like, oh man, this guy that had told me he was going to make a beat for me, like, finally came through and, and, yeah. and I got it. And so, but that's like all yeah. they have. They just kind of have these stems and so I say well now with like smartphones and stuff you can almost kind of walk in and plug them in at a gig but right, right, I just right. tell those kids to just take those beats and run with them do as much yeah. as you can with them yeah. uh, and you know then at that point it's either like you forge a connection with someone who makes beats you like or you try to like save up for the equipment you need to make yeah. your own beats and that's I think that's kind of like two different right. types of people some people aren't going to be happy with someone else they want full control that's kind totally. of how I like to be in control but then other people be more fine with I think just like getting all these beats from all these different people and well, I, I think it's a weird thing like say like in rock shows everything it's like whatever you want to do is fine it's like yeah okay you guys have like nine amps and like 13 people in the band, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to play for 45 minutes. Okay, cool. Just do that, and then the next thing is completely different. And then, you know, and like, yeah. yeah. And whatever you say it is, it is. And sometimes it's weird with rap shows how it's like, yeah, just give us your two beats on a, per act on a flash drive, and that's what the yeah. show is or something. Yeah. yeah. They kind of look at you weird, like, wait, you're hip hop? What? So, what's all, what are you doing with all the gear? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's kind of unfortunate. But I mean, yeah. even with like, you know, when we kind of stripped guitar out of the equation, like with Ginsu, we, we actually took a lot of flack for that. That was the number one question we would get, like, uh, so the, or the sound guy would always come to us, so what's it going to be like, uh, two guitars, bass, and drums, right, right. or like, uh, bass and drums, then two keyboards, two synths, you know, yeah. and they would always be like, and then they would try to mix our synths like it was a guitar, and so... We got to where it was almost like we need to bring like a sound guy with us because it's just not achieving the vision, you know. But yeah. you get weird looks if you strip stuff in, in the South, at least. Right. You get right, a lot right. of people like, but you don't have a guitar and you're <laughs> in that genre. <laughs> right. Well, like, when did you guys start with the Don't Cry Paul stuff as far as playing live? Two um. Well, we had been working on this uh, record with our whole crew, 4817 crew. Uh-huh. And like we said, with a band, you kind of have to do this voting thing. You know what I'm saying? So the process with that album, we really wanted to get a lot of input, and it turned out to be a slow process. And I got kind of restless, and I basically contacted Chris, and I said, man, you know, I've been listening to your Fancy Animal album. It's incredible. You know, can we find a way to where I'm writing the lyrics and you're doing all the music and uh, let's see how quick we can knock this out yeah. and like how long did it take us like, we did it in a month yeah like exactly. a month maybe uh, not last July or maybe July yeah before. so when you hear the Don't Cry Paul album it's like we mixed it for a long time but the takes are really raw and you can see some little flaws and little bits where the songs kind of fall apart here and there right 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 uh, 
So we were really just determined to come in and knock it out with like one thought in mind so that we could have some consistency. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was like a challenge, really. It was yeah. just like make some make something unwrappable. And I would come in with the lyrics not knowing which one of his beats I was going to put them on. Um, yeah, I was just uh, stacking up lyrics in my pad, and he was stacking up beats. And his beats had like 20 million parts, and my lyrics had like 20 million parts. <laughs> right, it was right, a real right. kaleidoscopic uh, approach. And our mantra was kind of uh, get free. Like whatever was kind of confining us in our other projects, let's let's just break out and just feel like whatever's natural to us. Oh, that's awesome! You know, so it has very few uh, choruses, a lot yeah, of changes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some other things I'm not we didn't so expect. Good with, like you know, <laughs> typical song structure, like you know, like yeah. if I do a tip, it's like I'm dabbling in typical strong song structure. You know? yeah. or, uh, other than that, it's always I just like feel like song goes in like different levels of the song instead of repeat yeah. and don't misunderstand my guy here you know he knows what 16 bars are he just doesn't <laughs> right. want to stick to them you know what exactly. I'm saying this guy's fully musically trained yeah making a full option I'm gonna change here at 13 and one half bars or whatever he wants to change right, to. right. <laughs> that's the drummer man that's how I think we work good because I like, can't I did like marching band and all that stuff yeah. in high school and even some in college and I think of everything rhythmically and very like almost sometimes yeah. I wish I didn't have the musical theory training because I think in some ways it's freeing but in also in some ways it's limiting because you kind of mm. kind of like see everything in, <laughs> in grooves so. and see this I, is interesting because I'm the opposite my dad's <laughs> like hey can you quit playing that harmonica while we're doing Jeremiah's a bullfrog <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh man I thought I hit the note <laughs> <laughs> there are no wrong notes though That's I know see what I mean it's all tone colors you know like how was <laughs> the the stuff received in in Little Rock. Um, different shows have been different. Yeah, different shows are different. I mean, I think we've we've probably cleared a couple of rooms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, we get better, we learn. So mm, yeah. uh, the more we play in Hot Springs, the more we get uh, a warm like enough really reception. There. Yeah. <laughs> tight, tight. I, I mean, we've had better shows there. The thing about us is, like, if if people encounter us, they're like, hmm. You know, but they may be thrown off from the beginning. Like, I'm not sure if I want to go to this event, but if they're just walking down the street, they're going to go, oh, I got to see this. This is weird, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> so if, at Hot Springs, like, we get yeah. passers by that are kind of marveling at the yeah. uniqueness, I guess. Well, like you said earlier, some people are going to... It always surprises me talking to people who will, like, I want to go out to live shows, but I really... I've heard so many people in Arkansas say this I don't want to hear something I want to hear something familiar and it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a cover but it maybe whatever your music's doing has to be so much like something else that there's a familiarity there Mm. and so I think if like you're saying early traditionalists it's like we're not so if you if you like stuff that out stays on the outskirts you'll probably like it but if you're really rooted in like Know, this is what hip hop is. You probably won't. Or right, this is right, not right. straight rock and roll. This has hip hop influence. So I don't know. I'm right. You kind of I mean, we, like weird stuff. We do rapping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. But there's also like you know there'll be like some, uh, some black Sabbathy riff I'll do too. Yeah, and that, which you yeah. think. And we try to like stay away from the moniker like 
rap rock or something like that. Like that's not right. Right. I mean, yeah. we don't. There's no palm muting. Right. You know, it's all open strumming. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really help anybody to be called rap rock. No, yeah. it doesn't help, man. It doesn't help. How did the new project come about? Like the triple disc. Well, uh, you know, we're both constantly in the studio because we're restless. You know, we're working with these other groups. And like I said, things sometimes don't move as fast as our restless uh, attitude. So he had a bunch of tracks. He'd been working on a new Fax album yeah, uh, and for a while. And then basically I started listening to the tracks like, man, you know, we got to put these out. And he was having trouble deciding the order, so eventually he let me just just show me how you would put it together. And yeah. so I gave him like, okay, well here's the order I would put out all these tracks he gave me, which yeah. ones I would include, take out, rada rada, and what order they would be in. And uh, so I really like his second disc a lot. But basically we got one disc apart, right? Each of us and one together. And then for my third disc, the Truckzilla disc, uh, this was the newest part of the project that I did after we recorded the initial album. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I loved about yours so, so much, is you really reached out to people, like, I mean, even Height, yeah. and I mean, to other people to collaborate, and mine's, like, so isolated, <laughs> you know, it's like... Well, you know, it's interesting, though, because you start from a beginning disc, and there, there was so much care put into the mastering that you did, it's so well mixed, and then we get to your disc where... It's a little bit more disheveled because it's recorded at all these different times and all this different equipment. And then we get to mine where I'm like rushing it. You know, there's a lot of haste in the mix. I want everything to be rugged. I'm using like analog drum machines, turning up the distortion on them. And uh, I just want it to be real kind of haywire and, and rough in parts. Yeah. So... You know, it's kind of a de-evolution, I guess, from the first disc <laughs> to the third. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but it's also more, I think, immediate in a way. I just needed the confidence, man. You, you know. So, <laughs> and then that seemed like a way to put everything out in a way that, you know, sort of economical. Yeah. That we weren't just, you know, endlessly uh, yeah, putting uh, out different releases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the main thing. Is since the CDs dying, and you know, we wanted. To, to get all this music out and have something at our shows. So we decided to put it in the DVD box so they could have a bigger graphic. Uh, originally, Three I Three CDs for one. It's kind of like... Yeah, uh, I mean, that's it's cheap. Yeah. Marketing ploy. <laughs> I know. Our infomercial. But uh, we originally wanted to have all the graphics done by females because that was another thing with Don't Cry Paula, like the title and whatnot. We were kind of rebelling against the inherent hyper-masculinity of rap. Okay. You know, just trying to just turn it around just a little bit, you know, yeah. soften it up, kind of question these, these kind of things. Um, so I wanted to have a female do all the graphics, but it ended up just getting neon glittery, a Fayetteville artist, to do the interior and then I did the rest of the graphics. What's the next project in the works, if, if there is one? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, uh, his, Jason's brother is sort of taking control of the 4817 album. Right, DJ Counteract. He's oh, kind nice. of doing the mixing um, on that. Yeah, um, so he's really been boosting it up. He really, my DJ Counteract is really into these like retro synth type sounds. Yeah. So he's really kind of created a, I guess you say a synthscape out of what was originally set up 
which was uh, some of my raw approach to beats and then some of Chris's more melodic approach to beats. Yeah. So my brother had both both of our styles and now when you hear it together, you wouldn't be able to tell it's two producers. Yeah. <laughs> or three, I think. He had some of his beats too, I think. So uh, anyway, so he's wrapping it up. That should be not too long, 4817 crew. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that should be coming out soon. Is it Gensu Vibes just put out a couple oh, yeah. of months ago? Fantastic. Uh, yeah, hospital you know, Vibes? Yeah, Hospital Vibes. You can do it. Sp- I listen to that on my way up, in fact. <laughs> all that junk, yeah. Amazon, iTunes, all that stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Fancy yeah. Fancy Animal dropped a new album this summer, too. So oh, right, finishing. right. I forgot about Island Drama. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's prophesized to come, but, you know, the world <laughs> could explode or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it's a trilogy, so. That's kind of what I'm hoping for, too, you know, because, you know, I mean, in a way, everything went down. People are still going to need music, you know, so it's going to be a, True. a viable. <laughs> You're right. True. People are going to be thinking we're conspiracy theorists or something. I don't believe in the Illuminati. Or we can beat on things to make this music, you know? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Scrapyard pieces. <laughs> I mean, this Mad Max rap is basically what we're doing anyway. Blade Runner, Mad Max rap. Tight. We know how to garden too, so I mean, we'll be like oh, totally right. cool in the community, right. like <laughs> entertainment, and then they actually serve a practical function. So, <laughs> Trucker's been harvesting some sweet eggplant. Yeah, yeah, I got some eggplant I'm real excited about. Some tomatoes they're just about ready to really dig into. All right, thanks to Don't Cry Paula. We'll see you next week.